the thing is, the hardest thing to do when you're making a change like that is to block out the noise from what everyone else thinks you should do. Have your trusted advisors, have your family, have your friends, have the people that know you, listen to your heart, listen to yourself, and then block out all of the naysayers and all of the other ones who want you to do it the way it's always been done. To me, that is the biggest hurdle that you've got to overcome when you are making a cool change. Welcome to the Business Owner Transition Podcast, where we help you not just exit your business, but create an elite exit by maximizing value, transitioning on your terms, and most importantly, doing it all without regret. So strap in and join us for some fun and valuable information. You can also join us at the Business Owner Transition Academy, where we provide education and consulting to business owners in pursuit of that elite exit. You can find us at theowneracademy.com. That's theowneracademy.com. And remember, don't just exit your business. Create an elite exit with the business owner transition. Now let's go get to it. Hi, everybody. I'm Mike Quinlan, and welcome to the Business Owner Transition. I got to tell you, I'm very fortunate to have an old friend of mine, Mr. Chuck Allen, with us today. He is a professional podcaster. He has thousands of people that visit his podcast every month and a longtime executive coach. And uh, Chuck is going to be talking to us today uh, about a couple of things, a little bit about what he does now and how he got there and and how he went from making that cool change that he made and then also how we incorporate the success formula into boda the business owner transition academy uh, into successfully helping people reach that elite exit remember now that only about 3% of all business owners that go out there and start a business, they take it all the way to the end, actually achieve the elite exit. So 3%, it's not a big number. And what is that elite exit? It's these three things. First, maximizing value. Second, doing it on your own terms. And third, not regretting the fact that you did it. And a lot of the things that we're going to talk about today, Chuck is going to help us with uh, with maybe that uh, own terms and and not regretting it piece. So Chuck, thank you very much for coming in. And, and uh, it's good to talk to you again. Fantastic seeing you, Mike. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Want you, let's talk first about Cool Change. Tell us a little bit about the podcast and all the success you've had with that. You know, I moved from Atlanta, where you and I used to hang out, uh, and to I moved to Portland, Oregon, about five years ago. And we moved out because my wife took a, a big job out here, and we are both since in a state of semi-retirement now. And uh, I had intended for years to write a book, and I was encouraged by many people around me to write a book on all the things that I had learned by being an executive coach and from my clients. And I failed miserably. Despite the fact I was an English major with a writing degree and so forth, I could not deal with that blank screen, that blank piece of paper. And I had 50 starts and 50 stops. And eventually, my wife said to me, are you writing the book or are you not? And the uh, truth was, I was not. So I said, no, I am not writing the book. And the release that I had just off my shoulders was just enormous. And I felt, um, you know, I still have something to say though. I still have something that I'd like to communicate to people. And two weeks later, the podcast was born because the desire, the vision to still do this was still there. The medium had been wrong 
and podcasting actually turned out to be just perfect for me because I could have a conversation with someone uh, and we could parry back and forth and we could spar a little bit. We could have just, you know, a back and forth, whereas the blank page did not afford me that. And so podcast was born and it took off. And the benefit of me having um, many clients over the years was I had many stories, many contacts. And so it was, uh, we hit the ground running about, you know, one episode a week. I do about one every two weeks now because we're traveling quite a bit. And uh, our, our goal with Cool Change Podcast is to explore the stories of people who have reimagined their lives midstream to do something more useful, more meaningful, sometimes just cooler. And that's because, Mike, a lot of my clients over the years uh, would come to me with the same presenting symptoms. They'd be in their 50s, they'd be in their 60s, uh, and they still don't know what, a, what they want to be when they grow up. Or... They thought by at this point in their career, they'd have a greater sense of balance or peace of mind, or despite all that they achieved, they still had these issues. And so this podcast was a labor of love to try to reach people sooner so that they could be more intentional about designing their next chapter uh, without postponing joy until everything had fallen into place. Using the word, that is really cool. And I know that you guys have, have made your own cool change and switching to this to this podcasting life. You know, people get stuck, right? I mean, we many of my clients that I talk to, they come through the academy and I talk to them about, what's your timeline? When is it that you are looking to make that cool change to go on to that next life? And then what is it going to be? So first, what's the timeline? And second, what is it that you're really interested in creating this additional purpose of your life in the next phase? In December, I did a podcast and it was called, What's Your Post-Exit Elevator Speech? Because it's so easy for all of us to talk about ourselves when we're in business. Being able to communicate that purposeful person that we are or we hope to become after we leave can be extraordinarily difficult. This vision of not only how we're going to make our transition, but what it's going to look like afterwards and when it's going to really happen, man, I tell you what, it is just a, such a difficult thing for people to do. And what are your thoughts on that? I work both with founders and people who have been executives in large corporations. In fact, uh, my wife uh, was an executive in large corporations. And when she retired, it took over a year, I think, before she finally began to get her sea legs on not feeling like she should be doing something in a meeting right now, or she shouldn't be developing something, or she shouldn't be managing something. And and no matter how, and we've been, co I've been coaching her for years, and it doesn't matter how much you prepare oftentimes, that it, there is sometimes no substitute for some time transpiring after the time that you make that shift. And so one thing I think that you've got to do going into this is extend yourself some grace in advance and understand that there is going to be a transition here that sometimes, no matter how much you prepare, there's no substitute for some time passing because the psyche is going to need some time, no matter how good you are at, at planning and designing. The other thing I see sometimes though, Mike, is that people will put off that decision until everything is just so, until everything is just right. And this is a carryover from the way sometimes people uh, go about their, their professional careers. You know, they have a traditional achievement mindset around goal setting and for a lot of people, every day is a shade of failure until they achieve that next goal. And what I have 
learned uh, and what I try to share with my clients uh, is this idea that you cannot and you must not postpone joy until everything is the way that you feel like it should be. So there's this tension that exists between designing intentionally your next chapter, which is akin to goal setting, and also allowing and recognizing that life will unfold in the organic way that it will, regardless of your designs, regardless of your plans. And if you are not able to, in the moment, take advantage of those opportunities or those unexpected things that happen, or when something bad happens, to be able to roll with that and be flexible and agile, then you'll end up postponing joy indefinitely until everything just comes together. And I've seen this over and over and over again. It's probably true of people who are making a switch from a founder or running an organization or owning an organization to the next thing. Yeah, well, so you and I both share a military background. Uh, Chuck was a Marine, always a Marine. And was, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and the stories he has are awesome. So yeah. as, uh, and you all know that I was a Navy aviator and I look at it this way, you know, we both were taught this thing called adapt and overcome, which is kind of what you're speaking about now. And every time I fly an airplane, I file a flight plan. Every time I file that flight plan, I know that I'm not going to actually fly that flight plan. So leaving the business, essentially what you're doing is you're, you, you've got to be able to kind of file that flight plan, but also understand you have to give yourself the time to, to deviate from the flight plan as you move forward. Well, yeah, what I'd actually say is that I think there's value in designing that future blueprint, designing how you want it to go, and then... The next important thing that almost no one will do is then release that. <laughs> Set the intention, you're gonna head off in that direction. That's the point on the horizon that you generally wanna to get to. If you tighten it too much, then you're setting yourself up for failure. But if you broaden that to, look, I'm gonna either I'm gonna move east or I'm gonna go north or south or west, but I'm gonna broaden that out a little bit to a point on the horizon, then you're giving yourself chance to focus on momentum in that direction and find wins in the day and in the week so that you're not postponing joy until you finally reach this elusive point on the horizon, which you know, it's not gonna happen exactly right. that way. And so to be able to enjoy the journey along the way, uh, I think is absolutely critical. Um, and it's something that is way easier said than done. It's common sense, but it is not common practice oftentimes. Well, let's talk a little bit about, let's back it up a bit, right? So. You're a business owner. You are, you've been running this highly successful business for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. And now you need to start thinking about what are my next steps? What advice would you give to somebody that is just, you know, when I'm asking them that question, tell me when it is your, what you're shooting for, what's the timeline you're shooting for? How would you suggest somebody go about, you know, kind of resolving those feelings around setting that timeline? You know, there's a saying, um, and I don't remember where I read it, but it basically says that if you don't know who you are without your business card, don't give it up yet. Um, I do think that there has got to be some um, notion of how you will be able to take how you are wired and how you've always been wired and be able to exercise that into the next chapter. You're not throwing everything out. You're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, which oftentimes is the case. You know, uh, you mentioned our military backgrounds. Uh, my wife, Rilla, and I have been talking a lot lately about the idea that everyone needs a boot camp of some sort. You know, for me, it was actually 
boot camp. It was Paris Island, South Carolina. For other people, it's going and getting their undergraduate degree or maybe their master's degree, maybe a postgraduate degree, or it's working at one of the big four consulting firms for like two or three years and just working 70, 80 hours a week and everything. But the point is we invest hard energy early on in our careers. The problem is, is that many people, particularly people who have founded their own organizations or at the helm of an organization, they never leave boot camp. They have for many, many years continued to be in that boot camp environment. And in some ways they thrive off of it, but to step outside of that is a very radical change. And so one thing that uh, I like to do is forget a little bit forget for just a moment some of the grandiose long-term plans. And I like to bring the headlights a little bit closer and say to people, listen, can you envision your ideal day in the next chapter? Let's just set aside everything else for just a second. And, and I, I mean, really, what time would you like to wake up ideally? What would you like to see first? What kind of coffee, if any, would you like to drink? What would you like to be hearing? I mean, let's just craft this thing down. And what time would you like to knock off work for the day if you're working? One thing I also like to do in that exercise is come up with just a couple of design principles. So when I left corporate America 10 years ago, I had spent, you know, 25 years or so in Fortune 500 companies uh, as an executive myself. And when I came outside of that and didn't have anything that structured my time, I went to a trusted friend and I said, look, I can do this a couple ways. I can find a glorious next role of some sort and inside of that role, try to carve out a marvelous existence. Or what I'd rather do is design the ideal day and attempt to live that tomorrow and then attempt to live it the next day and then again the next day. And his counsel to me was begin with the day because it always devolves down to the day. So that's what I did. And I said, what time do I want to get up? What time do I want to do this? What time do I want to do that? Um, and I had a couple design principles. Every day, I wanted to generate some content of some sort, and I wanted to have an interesting conversation with a fascinating person at least once a day. And so I incorporated that and just the next day started doing that, then the following day, then the following day. And what you find is, is that when you do that, you begin living your ideal existence <laughs> and it begins to unfold in a very organic way. And you don't have to necessarily know how exactly it unfolds. You just have to understand the fact that you are living your ideal existence as you have designed it, and then you're allowing things to occur as they will. And for me, that's been a nice balance. And for many of my clients, it's been a nice balance to think about. You've got this concept about leveling up. Tell me about leveling up. Well, I think what you're talking about is a lesson that I learned in my early 20s. I was uh, working at the headquarters for the Home Depot, and I had been tasked with uh, developing a leadership program. And in doing that, I got all kinds of training. I, I went to, you know, Franklin Covey, this, and Anthony Robbins, that. I was walking on hot coals barefooted with Tony <laughs> Robbins. And, all. and one of the things I learned back there was a lesson from... Tony Robbins, and he called it the quality quantifier. And the, and the bottom line is, and I won't bore you with the entire story, the bottom line is that one of the stupidest things that we as human beings do is we go into our lives with these grandiose plans and goals and so forth, and we don't pay attention to the day in, day out, insignificant moments that make up 99% of our existence. And so the idea is that if you want to improve the quality of your life, aka your next chapter, you know, post-transition, then you've got to focus on the seemingly insignificant moments that make up 
all of your time. And I'm talking about the breakfast, the drive to work, the drive to this, you know, um, you know, having a lunch, you know, a conversation with a spouse, a conversation with one of your kids, whatever. Those are the things that make up our time. And a lot of times what we'll do is we'll focus on that moment of transition, the day we sell, the day we buy, the day we divorce, the day we marry, the day we have grandkids, the day we have whatever. And we kind of build our life around those big moments. But those big moments really are nothing more than the punctuation at the end of a very long sentence. If you really want to change the quality of your life, you focus on the letters, the words, the spaces of those sentences, and you build a better sentence. And then every once in a while, punctuation is going to come along. Sometimes it's going to be good, sometimes it's going to be bad, but it will be nothing more than a moment in time before you're right back to all of those other things. And so Tony's point of view was, look, let's just give it a simple quality quantifier. In the next seemingly insignificant moment that I have, the meeting, the phone call, the drive, the whatever, where am I on a scale of one to 10 in terms of the quality of that experience? Do I feel like I'm dreading it? Two, a three? Or do I feel like I'm very excited? It's going to be the most amazing experience that I can imagine of that type. It's going to be a nine or a 10. And you got to kind of figure out where you are. For most people, you know, they're like, I don't know. I just hope it goes well. And the problem with hoping it goes well is that you're putting all of the energy out there to become a victim and hope that everything happens. You know, we hope traffic isn't bad. We hope the weather's okay. We hope this. But what if you were to say, what could I do to enjoy this seemingly insignificant event that's going to take the next 30, 60 minutes of my time the most? How can I make this the best moment of its type that I've had? And your brain begins to give you better quality answers than just hoping things go better. And so I learned this early on that if you could break those moments down and ask yourself, what would make this the best of that seemingly insignificant moment that I have ever had, or what would take me from a four to an eight, I've just increased the quality of that 100%. And if I do that all day long, the quality of my day is 100% better than it was going to be. My week's 100% better. And this has become the drug for me that I have enjoyed these last 25 years since learning that. And I still go into these seemingly insignificant events that make up all my time and ask myself, now I just shortcut it, what would make this the greatest of this type that has ever happened? And even if I don't get there 100%, it's way better than it would have been if I just left it up to chance. Yeah. Hey, I, I love it when you talk about making breakfast and going, hey, if this is, I'm just going to make these eggs, but okay, I could just eat them. But now if I level them up, just think how much more I can enjoy these things. It's an experience, yeah. right? Right. So yeah. this is kind of a mindset shift to how we're going to do this. We talk a lot about elite preparation in the academy. In order to have an elite exit, you have to proactively conduct elite preparation over time to maximize value on your terms and to exit without regret. It's not an easy button issue. So many business owners come to me and they tell me, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to sell the business when I'm ready to sell the business. I'm just going to push the easy button and it's all going to be good. Obviously that doesn't work out generally very well. This, the odds are stacked against them actually achieving that elite exit. As we talked about earlier, only 3% actually do it. If you were thinking about elite preparation over a period of time, over that 24 to 36 months prior to the pulling the trigger timeline. How would you talk about 
maybe a mindset change that is similar to the leveling up conversation that we just had about your business. We've got value drivers in our business. We have this thing called the I'm good checklist, which are the key value drivers of your business, increasing cash flow, institutionalizing management, top line growth, optimizing financial statements, documenting operations, and then diversifying customer base are all broad categories of major value drivers that business owners have complete control over, but don't work on. And they don't work on in any systemic way. So how might you convert this mindset to the mindset of, of every day knocking off something different about increasing value in your business? Yeah, Mike, I think it is a mindset. And the thing that comes to me uh, first is most people think that change is about new beginnings. I'm going to start doing these new things. I'm going to start doing these different things, whatever. But change done well begins with endings. You have to start ending some things first to create malleability and space in your schedule for the new things. It's the same as if I took my iPhone here and, you know, if you kind of hold one of these little things down until everything kind of gets jiggly. Now we can kind of move the icons around. Uh, but until I do that, nothing's got, there's a system in place. It's frozen in place. The structures and the ways that I think and the way that I conduct my time is frozen in place because it's part of a system that I've built over time. Systems conspire against change. And so if we're going to change the system, we have to thaw it out. We have to make it so that they're, you know, jiggly icons that we can start moving around. It'd be like if I'm getting ready to come home from work and my wife says, hey, could you, um, we're going to have hamburgers tonight. And I'll be like, great, I'll throw them on the grill when I get there and I come home. If there's a block of frozen hamburger meat and she's like, yeah, just, you know, just start whittling it off of there, whatever. You know, if we had thawed it out, I could take this thing that is frozen in place and I could make it, shape it into something else that we want to have happen. So... What we have to think about in terms of mindset is the way that we've done things for a very long time is a frozen state. It's a frozen state of hamburger meat at that point. We can't just start chopping things off without thawing things out. So the question is, instead of what am I going to start doing new, what am I going to start ending now? What are some things right now that I have to start giving away, stop doing? What is on my stop doing list? It's more important than my to-do list about the new things because I've got to create some oxygen and some space and some malleability to begin to shape the new future. Does that make sense? I mean, does that resonate at all with what oh, you've yeah. seen? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that people, they get into this circle, right? Where they, they are at status quo. They sometimes stick their toe in the water a little bit to maybe attempt to see what kind of change might be out there. I mean, they start thinking about it and then they may even start going in that direction, doing a little investigation, but man, do they snap back to status quo quickly, don't they? Yeah. And I think you do have to figure out what is it you're going to stop doing that is no longer serving you in the new world order. So you start thawing those things out. And that means, you know, if you really want to hold yourself accountable, you need to build some shared accountability with some other people who will not allow you early on to even snap back to some of those same habits that you've got going on right now, yep. because you're going to need to have some small wins and build some momentum and become very good at building that muscle of not doing before you start building the muscle of designing the new things that you will do. Yep. And so I think stopping is a good idea. Well, and you just said something that's really important is 
in what you've done your whole life, the coaching and mentoring piece of what you've done and becoming an accountability partner for your clients. And with what we do in the consulting piece of the academy is, you know, in phase one and two, we're, it's all, that's all the blocking and tackling, right? We're out there, we're, we're assessing people and their business ready to go. We are documenting and codifying this plan. And then we get into the coaching and mentoring piece in phase three and four there where we are being that accountability partner for the owner and the management team to implement and really stop doing some of the things that they maybe don't need to be doing in the, in the past. Stop being the CEO. Stop being yeah. the president, right? Yeah. Put somebody yeah. else there and let us kind of hold you accountable for doing what you said you're going to do so that we can improve some of this stuff. It's interesting. I, I often get owners, and this may resonate with you, that will call me and ask me to go have lunch with them or sit down and talk with them. And they just want to talk with somebody in a, on a peer level about their business and how they're feeling about their business in order to kind of make that change, right? In order to give themselves a license to stop doing things and start doing different things. Right. I, I've never meet, met an elite anyone who did not have an advisor or a coach walking them through it, whether they be a business executive, a founder, whether they be an athlete, whatever. Elite anyone requires external viewpoints looking in because you are one person and no matter how good you are and no matter where your heart is, you're only one person and you'll never be nearly enough. You ran organizations that required many, many different views and perspectives. What makes us think that we can run our private life somehow differently when we've been accustomed to that level of counsel? And so we need that counsel to help us get through to the next side and maybe even beyond that for accountability and just an external viewpoint that helps us see it differently than we can see it on the inside. Yeah, I agree 100%. And so I'm going to put you on the spot here for just a second. You have interviewed a bunch of people that have made some really cool changes in their lives and have left businesses or have created multiple businesses and, and done things they never thought they were going to do. What is your your best story about a a business owner that has gone away from running something that they've loved for a long time and made that cool change and really is not even looking back. Something that comes to mind is a guest that I interviewed about a year ago, a guy named Pete Gumbrecht, who uh, was in finance. He was in big four consulting, very successful career and had a lifelong dream since he was 16 years old of sailing around the world and made a decision that uh, at around 34 years old, um, time was passing and nothing was getting easier, but he, he honored this 16-year-old boy dream that he had and was able to put some things into place so that he could sail for 27,000 miles on his sailboat, um, the equivalent distance of circumnavigating the globe. He didn't actually go all the way around, but the lessons that he learned from being able to do that chiefly among them, the thing that I took the most from it is that you can have a dream like that. And at some point, that dream will fail to serve you. He saw a lot of people that were out there in the Caribbean and the, the Pacific elsewhere that had had the same dream that he had, 
But long after the dream failed to serve them, they were still holding on to that vessel. They were still holding on to that, and it had become an albatross around their neck. And the lesson that he got is that when he, he was sated, when he had done it, he could release it. He could sell that sailboat, and he could go back and do the next chapter of whatever that was going to be. He could jump right back into the corporate world or start his own consulting or whatever he was going to do and feel good about the fact that he did not have to hang on to it too long. And so I... To me, that is a fantastic story and one that has resonated not just with me, but many of my listeners about the idea that we can have a dream, but we can right-size that dream so that it has a shelf life and have that be okay. And we can move beyond that and do other things and choose, you know, Diane Hessen, another one of my um, uh, episodes, I mean, she started her first business at 46 years old as a serial entrepreneur in Boston sold it for a hundred million dollars, you know, and then wrote her first book at 76. Her point to me was that life is not short, life is long. How boring would it be for us to have one story our entire life? Why not think of it in terms of lots of stories, lots of chapters, and look back over this tapestry that we've built of all of these different experiences. Let's stay agile, let's stay mobile. Let's create um, what she calls experiences of serendipity. Let's put ourselves in the right position by saying yes over and over again to things that are unexpected that come along the way. And just, you know, it's been a fantastic strategy for her. So what it is then is these owners in that vision piece, they need to understand what their cool change is gonna be. Well, I think, yes, I think that if the thing is the hardest thing to do when you're making a change like that is to block out the noise from what everyone else thinks you should do. Have your trusted advisors, have your family, have your friends, have the people that know you listen to your heart, listen to yourself, and then block out all of the naysayers and all of the other ones who want you to do it the way it's always been done. To me, that is the biggest hurdle that you've got to overcome when you are making a cool change. Because it, at the on the other side of this, you wanna have a story worth telling. And a story worth telling doesn't sound like every other story you've ever heard. And so you need to have a sense of originality and a sense of creativity about what you wanna be doing with your days. Well, and something tells me it's not your business elevator speech, is it? No. It's not, a, it's not your business elevator speech. I mean, come no, on. It's something new, right? Well, listen, Chuck Allen, the podcasting aficionado and host of Cool Change Podcast. You can find it on all of the podcast outlets out there. I appreciate you being on the show with us. Ladies and gentlemen, the Business Owner Transition Academy is your boot camp for getting out, understanding all of that stuff that's required for you to create that elite exit maximizing value on your terms and without regret and creating that cool change. So Chuck, thanks again. And everybody, we'll see you next time on the Business Owner Transition Podcast.